Hello and welcome to We Are The University, a podcast about the alumni, staff and students who make Cambridge University unique. In this episode, Paul Seagrove and Karis Goodyear sit down with Shadab Ahmed, the Access Officer at the Cambridge University Student Union. Shadab reflects on his role as Access Officer. They talk about access, mentoring, role models and inequality in society. Shadab also talks about his own report that looks at what the university can do to encourage more Bangladeshi, Arab and Pakistani students to apply to Cambridge. So I'm Shadab Ahmed and I'm the KUSU Access and Funding Officer. Um, KUSU is basically the Students' Union representative of the entire university, so students vote every year and choose six sabbatical officers. Um, so access and funding, my job is to basically ensure that people from disadvantaged and underrepresented backgrounds feel that they can apply to university in general, but also Cambridge specifically. Um, so it's really about creating different um, schemes and resources to help those students apply to university. Can you tell us a little bit about your role? What does it look like on a day-to-day basis? So my role is quite varied. Um, Lots of days I have committees and I'm sitting on boards with people who are senior figures in the university talking about access and how we can improve the situation. Um, And some of those committees are also about widening participation for that. So that's for students here um, and how we can improve their lives and make sure that they are getting the best out of the educational experience that we can offer here. Um, But also I do a lot of groundwork. So this year um, we ran the KUSU Shadowing Scheme, which we run every year. And we invited 300 plus students from around the UK, brought them here for a few days um, and let them see what Cambridge is like. They went to lectures, supervisions and labs and that sort of thing, just so they could see themselves in a university setting so they can make you know, an informed decision about whether they want to go to university, whether they want to go to Cambridge and that sort of thing. Um, so there really is a sort of broad range of things that I do. Um, this year, I also created a personal statement guide. Um, so that's sort of an interim. It wasn't like on the ground work. It wasn't sitting in committees, but that was creating a resource for people who don't have as much support from their schools um, to be able to write a, a really good personal statement so that they can make a strong application to university um, in general, but also Cambridge specifically. It's amazing. And is that... Um... Is that quite a key thing then? Are you finding that some groups of people don't necessarily have those mentors in in school? Yeah, definitely. I think um, a Sutton Trust report showed that certain um, students from state comprehensive schools, certain state comprehensive schools, not all, um, don't receive any support at all. And that is just because the teachers can't provide it. They don't have Mm. the time. They don't have the money. um, And that is indicative of a wider problem. You know, government's cutting funds to schools. So it's difficult for teachers to be able to provide that support. So I think it's important that we can bridge the gap wherever we can um, to ensure that everyone who does want to be able to you know, make a strong application to university gets that chance and they're not missing out just because um, you know, school funding's being cut and yeah. they don't have the resources to be able to do that. Definitely. And are you able to give us some examples of students that you've helped through some of these different schemes that you've been running? Yeah, so I've been here for about four years now. And I started, you know, right before I even got here, started doing access work. And so some of the students that went on summer schools when I was a fresher, so first year at university, they are now freshers here. Um, So it's really nice to see they went to my own college. So these were summer schools targeted at those from the most disadvantaged and underrepresented backgrounds. And we brought them here in year 11 and they came back in year 12. Um, So I got to see them through their sort of school journey. Um, and they are now freshers here. And as an officer, we run the Freshers' Fair every year. And I saw about 10 people that I've actually personally been on summer wow. schools with, um, helped them through the process. So it's really nice to see, um, you know, real life people, real life examples of people that have done access work and then have come here and are now, you know, carrying on the cycle and helping other students um, when they're applying in the process. So it's really nice to see. 
and you know they come from all over the one i remember is she was from wales like me um, from swansea she wanted to do theology and she came here um and she's now yeah studying and doing all the great access work that we all like to do once wow. we've experienced it ourselves wow it definitely feels like there's almost like this pass it on yes. and you know you from your own experiences you can you can then help other people because you know what it's like yourself yeah definitely I think one of the issues is that the people that tend to do all the access work tend to do all the access work and they sort of overburden themselves with doing all this sort of outreach work and that's especially pertinent in the BME community when we see certain groups having to do so much work to be um, you know mentors because there aren't a lot of them here so black students Bangladeshi students Pakistani students we see there are so few of us here that it has to be us doing the work, otherwise it won't be done. Um, and it's really important that we sort of have the support in place from the university, from colleges to be able to do the work and also make sure that we're not sort of, I guess, suffering or being yeah. overburdened by doing all this work. Um, but it is important for certain communities and certain groups to have that visual sort of representation um, in university and in spaces where they don't see themselves. Can you tell us a little bit more about that? Is that, bef- is that when people are thinking of applying um they're allocated a mentor and the mentor helps them through the process yeah so there are loads of different schemes so for the shadowing uh-huh. scheme they get a mentor they're in year 12 the students who come okay. here and um, they receive a mentor before they arrive and then they come in january february for a few days and then they have that mentor for a year after so they can have someone there to talk about the application process wow. school work and that sort of thing um, there are other projects which do focus on different areas. So some project access, for example, sometimes after they've received offers, they receive mentors to help with their uh, schoolwork and that sort of thing so that they can make sure they meet their offers because there are certain groups who are more likely to miss their offers. Wow. So there are lots of different sort of mentoring schemes that wow. target different times um, because the, there are different concerns or different problems during each stage yeah. um, of the application process. Yeah. Yeah. What was your own personal experience, actually, of coming to Cambridge? Can you give us a little bit about your background and, and what made you want to come here? Yeah, so my, I remember when I was applying, my dad was saying, you don't need to go to Cambridge, it's not that good. Cardiff's right next to us, it's a good university, you're going to go there. And I just thought, okay, I'll just ignore that and just apply to university anyway. And I applied to Cambridge um, just because I thought, why not? My teachers were quite supportive in sixth form and said, you, you can do it, just give it a shot. So I did. Um, and then I got the offer and he said, why do you need to go? You know, you should have applied to Oxford. That's even closer, you know, go to Oxford instead. So it's too late now. That's not how it works. Um, so I got the offer and then I decided, okay, I'm just going to go regardless of what happens. So I just about met my offer and I just came here. He was happy once I've, you know, said I am going to go, um, regardless of what you say. But having said that, that's not the same for everyone. If I was um, a woman, that probably would not have happened at all. My sisters did not move out for university. They definitely had to stay at home um, and commute if they wanted to. That was the most that they could do. So I think it is really looking about the different um, barriers that people might face. And it might be a cultural barrier that we have to tackle. And it is changing. Um, you know, my dad was a first generation immigrant, so it's quite different. And I think times are changing, but they are conversations that need to be had to make sure that all these different groups can do what they want to do, not what um, they're told to do. Yeah. And why is access work to you so important? I think the reason I find it incredibly important is because the makeup of the university population generally permeates into society in general. So we see, you know, the top, I don't know, top companies or places of work in government, media, um, journalism, et cetera. 
that there are certain groups that dominate those fears. And I think most of that is down to the composition that we have, um, especially at Oxbridge um, and those universities. We have a responsibility to diversify our um, intake because we do send our students to those spaces. Um, so I think it is a broader sort of looking out into society and making sure that society is representative of our population. I don't think it's fair for um, the people making the decisions for our country to be made up of the people who've benefited from a system which they've created. Um, so for me, that is why it's really important. And also knowing how, if you can see yourself in a certain space, that immediately changes your conceptions about things. So I don't think it's fair that because of you know, a social structure that's been entrenched for generations and generations that people are now suffering because they don't see themselves in these spaces. So I think it's just really important to shift the, you know, the narrative towards people being able to see themselves and seeing the opportunities that they could have and are fully entitled to um, and knowing that they are worthy, I guess, of everything that they want. Um, and just because they don't see themselves there because there's no one there yet, um, you know, we have to convince them that you have to be that person who gets there and then, you know, shifts the narrative further, further on. Yeah. up. can I ask, is that, is that one of the single most important reasons that the groups we're talking about, and they, it's, it's, you know, it's a wide, wide term, underrepresented groups, BAME groups, they, they, they cover a lot of different cohorts of, of students, but is that the main reason that they don't apply the perception that um, there aren't many of them here? Yeah, I think it is one of the biggest issues, and it's the media's fault, I would say. They always say Cambridge is for the likes of the white middle class or, you know, the elite, um, and it's them pushing that sort of narrative onto people, which sort of dissuades them. So it's really, you know, discouraging to see that the media are doing that when there's so much great access going on here, and we are trying to break that cycle. Um, on the surveys we send out before students come for outreach events, they say, um, oh, Cambridge is going to be a really white space, it's going to be this, it's going to be that. And once they come here and see everything, they see that there are spaces for them, communities for them, societies and groups that do have that, you know, community and that sense of belonging um, within this space. So, you know, people might think it is coming from London, less diverse, but there are spaces here for people to, you know, um, belong to a community. Um, and it is, I think, the media pushing that narrative that really, really harms um, access work. And instead, I think they should be focusing on the access work and having representatives, you know, um, being figureheads and saying, you know, you can be here. We've seen when Stormzy, you know, made a scholarship and had all the black students coming out and saying, you know, this is great work. We belong here. We thrive here, all that stuff. And you've seen the work. It's, you know, it's working. Um, so hopefully there'll be a shift towards that sort of positive perception of what we're doing and that Cambridge is a space for all of us. You, you compiled a really interesting uh, report on how the university could do more to um, attract Bangladeshi, Pakistani and Arab students to apply. And I remember you, you mentioned this earlier as in passing that your your father wasn't keen on you going too far away. And I was struck by a, a statistic that you used in your report that British Pakistani and British Bangladeshi students are more than six times more likely than white students to stay living at home and study locally. So uh, uh, how, do you, how can we address that? So this is a cultural issue what, what should the university be doing do you think to to try to encourage people to move away further away from home because obviously that's going to be a given that they're probably going to have to come from say London is the closest by but there'll be people coming from the Midlands and like yourself from Wales maybe 
I think it is, again, going into those communities first and the onus being on us to reach them, um, going into their communities and talking about the benefits of university in general. So I think that's where you start out and then you highlight the differences um, between different universities, the different courses they offer um, and the benefits of going to different universities. And I think for London is a very different ball game. They think, why move out of London? We have good universities here. My family's here. We have all the infrastructure here why bother moving out and it is a difficult one to argue but I think the way I always do it is you know Cambridge terms are really short for example eight week terms you're not away from home for too long um, London's really close you know 40 minute train you can get home if you want to for the weekend um, but the benefit you'd come from a Cambridge education or an education from a university outside of London might be quite different and it's only three years four years maybe um, and that can be a really big eye-opener to the world around you and it's important to broaden your horizons I think coming here I've met people from you know all walks of life and it's quite nice to see that I didn't really get that from back home I'm um, in Cardiff I had a very small sort of subset of the population and I think coming here and seeing you know different people from different backgrounds was really good for me um, developing as you know as a person so I think it's sort of highlighting um, the different benefits and for some parents from those communities it will be you know, it's prestigious, you know, you can tell all your friends and family about the, this university that your son and daughter goes to, um, all these different things, or the graduate prospects are amazing if you go to these universities. And so I think it is about tailoring to what the parents' concerns are. Um, for some Muslim families, it is, okay, I don't want my daughter to move away because they'll be mixing all this um, sort of thing. So I think for them, it's for them, we then have to address the different concerns that they might have. So you know, we have women's only colleges, um, that might be something that can alleviate uh, the concerns that they have. And that does for a lot of um, families. And also, there are sort of faith provisions in place for, you know, women only corridors and things like that. So that is possible. And you just have to speak to the colleges about that, and they can put those provisions in place. So I think it's just about opening that dialogue and saying, okay, if you do have a problem, come talk to us about it. And we can see what we can do, if we haven't already got, you know, plans in place for that. Um, so it's equally as important to reach out to the parents as this is, is to the to the students. Yeah, I think for these groups, parents are a huge influence um, in their lives. In the surveys we did for the shadowing scheme, that was open to all sort of disadvantaged and underrepresented backgrounds. And you saw the differences um, in the way that the parents influenced them in the data. Um, BME students as a whole um, were more likely to be influenced, but specifically those from South Asian um, countries were much more influenced um, so it's important to understand that different groups have different sort of stakeholders in their lives and are influenced to, to varying degrees by those people. So for, you know, Bangladeshi and Pakistani students, it is about talking to their parents as well and the local community um, for them to be able to start shifting the narrative to be like, OK, you can apply um, to university, you can apply to Cambridge and you will belong there and you're allowed to do it. I'm OK. The parents saying, you know, I've, I'm happy for you to go um, and do that. And I think that's something that is quite a new area that we should be looking into, um, engaging with parents and communities. But is, is there anything you think the university could do, maybe some simple measures to reach those those underrepresented groups more effectively or do you think the problem is at the, the school end really the, the attainment end uh, or, or is it more complicated than that yeah I would say it's a very complex issue and the issue does lie in both parts 
Um, so whilst we are in the current context of, you know, decreased funding to schools, we have to look at what the role of the university really is, is the role of universities to um, sort of bridge that gap that is being left now? Or is it just to be able to encourage people who do see themselves at university or just considering it? So I think it's a time for us now to really think about what the role of the university um, as part of society is. Um, I do think that there is a lot of work that universities could be doing. We are spending a lot on outreach, millions of pounds, and we should be focusing that resource onto going into those communities ourselves. Um, so it's easy to bring people here or say, you know, come here, but that's a very difficult um, thing for some groups to do. So I think a lot of work should be done in going out to those areas, um, speaking to people in the local community, because for different groups, the, you know, the barriers to education are quite complex and different. Um, so for Bangladesh and Pakistani students, for example, um, parents are a huge sort of influence in their spheres. So we should be going to those communities because they won't come here or they won't watch online webinars on, you know, the Cambridge experience. We should be going to those communities, to mosques or to local schools and talking to parents and, you know, alleviating their issues um, or concerns about university or moving away from home and that sort of thing. And that does vary with each group, what their different barriers are. So we need to identify what those are, then going to those communities, um, build those links between them and then decide, you know, bring them here and show them what, you know, life at Cambridge is like, um, I think. First, you have to address the issues of higher education in general and going to university, and then you can start to tackle, you know, Cambridge specifically um, or the Russell Group and the higher end institutions. So I think it's just looking at specific issues, how to tackle them, and then you move on and progress through that. Um, also, I'm going back a little bit to another thing you mentioned, uh, and that was earlier on you talked about your school, you had a supportive school. Clearly teachers are really important aren't they in, in encouraging pupils to, to apply and saying yes they, you know you can do this did you have a, a really good teacher who was like sort of I mean not pushing you but encouraging you in that direction and saying yeah go for it so I've seen the difference in the different educational sort of systems we have in place so before 16 I went to this uh, state comprehensive school and you once I start I switched um, post 16 the differences in the support from teachers and even the encouragement, if even if the lessons, if the content was the same, it was the way that they sort of spoke to you and encouraged you is massively different. And I think um, it's a shame to see some schools not having the resources to be able to allocate to helping students, um, but also some teachers who had bad experiences with certain universities, Oxford in particular, when they were students, that following through and permeating into what they're telling their students. So I think, again, teachers are a huge influencer again, parents and teachers, um, teachers can dictate quite a bit of the students' lives, especially when they are in charge of applications and things. That dynamic between you know student and teacher can mean that they are pushed into a certain um, direction. Um, for me, there were teachers saying, you know, you're doing really well, you should apply to these universities, you stand a really good chance of getting in and you know going on to do things there. So, you know, do it other places might say just biases of their own subconscious biases might say no it's not for you I don't think you should apply there you should apply to these places instead so I think again it is about reaching out to teachers now for this um, telling them about Cambridge the admissions process university in general and how things have changed it's not the same as it was 20 years ago even 10 years ago it's massively different now and making sure that they are aware that that's you know that is the case it's different um, and tangible ways of how to support their students through the application process, how it works, what to do, etc. 
um, to make sure that they can provide that support. And what happens to you now? You're coming to the end of a sabbatical year as, as the Kusu Access Officer. What what um, plans do you have, or do you want to keep them <laughs> close to no. your chest? <laughs> So once I finish this year, I finish mid-July. Um, I'm going to do my master's in chemistry next year, finish it off here at Cambridge. Um, and then, oof, well, we'll see what happens. I think I do want to get involved in the outreach work and educational policy and that sort of thing. Um, science, sadly, is not for me, I don't think. <laughs> so I think I will stick to um, the sort of policy level, you know, shaping structures in place that we have to be able to make sure that students from all backgrounds especially from the most disadvantaged and underrepresented backgrounds that is a broad term but those groups of students to be able to access um, education in general if they want to I think it's really important to make sure that they have an insight into their life to be able to make an informed decision I don't think everyone should go to university there are other things out there for certain people but it's just about making sure that they have the information to be able to make that decision so hopefully I can be involved in that sort of work at a higher level um, to reach a broader range of people. So I think I've been working up in the sort of amount of people and the magnitude of the work that I can do. So I started off as a JCR access officer, which is like the sort of college level um, community and doing work from there. And then I moved on to the university level and I, you know, want to keep on going further and further and seeing where that goes. Yeah. And if someone listening to this does want to reach out and, and, and ask for a mentor how, how do they how do they do that how do they get in touch with do they get in touch through the, the kusu office uh, so i think it depends on your age group um definitely google mentoring schemes because there are so many different ones out there you know project access is a really good one that i would recommend um if you're in your 11 now and going into your 12 then you know apply for the kusu shadowing scheme and you can go through that um, just look at the Oxford and Cambridge outreach events to see what's out there. And some will involve mentoring, some won't. But there are lots of different ones out there. So I think see what suits you and what the programs, you know, what they entail. And if that suits you, then just go for those and apply for those. I think it's really impressive that, that we've got a great group of students here. And the students are really? so committed yeah. and passionate about you know helping others it's yeah. like you said with the you know sort of ladder, ladder metaphor yeah. you're putting a ladder down for someone yeah. else to hopefully help them up. great i don't think i've got any other questions so we missed anything what else should we that was really good i mean because we've yeah we've ended we've ended on a nice upbeat note um with giving <laughs> we're giving up some giving up some advice that's it from us at the we are the university podcast if you like what you're hearing don't forget to head on over to the iTunes store or Spotify or Stitcher or wherever you get your podcasts from and give us a five-star rating.